0: Ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the UI Breakfast Podcast. I'm your host, Jane Portman, and today our awesome guest, once again, is Brian Lovin, the founder of Campsite. And this time we're going to talk about sharing work in progress for designers. This show is brought to you by UserList, an ML automation platform for SaaS companies. On board, engage and nurture your customers as well as marketing leads. To follow the best practices, download our free printable email planning worksheets at useless.com slash
1: worksheets. Hey Brian. Hello. Good to talk to you again. It's been a while.
0: We are very excited to have you on the show and you've been on a roller coaster of a real founder instead of just, you know, last time we talked about design advisory and things like that. This time Mm -hmm. it's some real stuff, isn't it?
1: Yeah, how times have changed, huh? The world is different (laughs) than than when we last talked. Both literally, like, I don't know, the, the macro has changed and then personally, yeah, doing something totally different now.
0: Tell us more about what you do these days, about campsite too, but also a few words about your background story, where you come from.
1: Yeah, sure. So the abbreviated background would be I've been designing software for a while now. I started out at a startup called Buffer and then went and worked at Facebook for a while and then started a company called Spectrum.Chat back in 2017, which was bought by GitHub. And I worked at GitHub for the last three and a half years on the mobile apps. And now I'm working on Campsite. I started working on this last year, went full-time in October. And now we're, we're a team of six building, building software. So, what is Campsite? Campsite is a tool that helps design teams share and collaborate on work in progress. And I'd say the, the why of all of this goes way back to my time at, at Facebook. At Facebook, they had an internal tool there called Pixel Cloud. And it was like a, I don't know, you could squint and it was like an internal dribble or like an internal Instagram, but for the design team. And it was this thing that they made, I don't know, about like 2008 or 2010 or something, like really early on. And so when I joined Facebook, you get access to Pixel Cloud and it's like getting access to the museum of Facebook. It was this really inspiring, interesting place to go spelunking for product ideas and visuals and iterations. And you could go person by person, profile by profile, even people who didn't work there anymore. And she had this really rich archive of what everyone had done, tried, or explored. And it was magical. I felt really connected to Facebook's culture. I understood who was working on what. Like, just this place to have visibility of what designers were working on totally changed my relationship with Facebook and with other designers on the team. Fast forward, I left Facebook eventually. And I've just missed that ever since. And it's funny, you know, you go out into the world and you talk to other big companies and every big company has tried to create something like that internally, but it takes a lot of investment and it's a very nuanced set of mechanics that make something like that work. So anyways, that's Campsite. Campsite is is helping teams recreate the experience that I had of understanding who's working on what across organizational boundaries Having a place for designers to share feedback, especially now async remotely, not blowing up Slack threads or reminding yourself on on Slack messages, ah, oh, somebody needs my feedback. No, like we're going to give you a place to organize and structure that feedback and see what people are working on. And so, anyways, that's what I'm working on right now with Campsite. I
0: was waiting for Dribbble to come up because it's about sharing work in progress. The fun fact is that Dribbble has turned into the place for showing off the most polished bits of design work, of completed design work. So, yeah, I no longer for, work in progress. Like, yeah. For like fancy pixel, like mouthwatering stuff to see what's hot, I'm going to Dribbble, but that's not really any practical, not serving any practical purpose.
1: Well, I, I mean, inspiration is valuable right like being able to go and see what's the visual zeitgeist of the design community right now i think Dribbble still captures that like it's it's fun to kind of blur your eyes and scroll through dribble really quickly through the years and you can see these transformations in aesthetic preferences and styles like right now we're very much in the 3d gradient mode but I don't know. You go back, we went through the flat era. And then before that was the skeuomorphic era. Like it's cool to see that type of, of visual history. But yeah, I mean, it, it does feel like it has become a place for inspiration and that's valuable in its own way. Right.
0: By the way, congrats on raising a seed round last year. That's massive.
1: Thank you. Yeah.
0: What are your ambitious plans for the next couple of years? as the world is crumbling down. (laughs) I feel like
1: I'm in a VC pitch meeting right now. Tell me about Uh your 10-year plans. How are you going to be a billion-dollar business? No, no, it's, it's cool. There's something really magical that happens when you take a creative set of people, talented set of people who can build software, and you put them in a space where it's encouraged to... Be creative and to share wacky ideas and imagine what if we did this and have it be okay to share those ideas and give feedback and feel safe. And I think for a lot of people, that space used to be an office and it used to feel like maybe a lunch table or a couch maybe some beanbags on the side, like a very relaxed environment to share. Here's ideas and things we could do to change the world. And I think that sensation, that feeling has kind of gone away in recent years, not only because of remote work, but I think remote work has contributed to that, where what ends up happening is people kind of get scoped to their Engineering and product group, they get scoped to a Slack channel. And these opportunities to just share ideas with other people who you don't necessarily have to be working with day to day have gone away. So as I think about like where are we going in the next two years, is how can campsite be that space for design teams, for teams who ship software? It doesn't necessarily have to be designers, could be engineers or product people but the space that functions as like a, a nuclear reactor for creativity and idea sharing and feedback and iteration where people can be inspired by what somebody's working on from the other side of the organization. You don't have to know who they are. You don't have to sit next to them or be in the same Slack channels. But this exposure to ideas, this exposure to similar ideas that would be better if they were kind of smashed together, right? Like the whole is greater than the sum of its parts, that kind of thing. I think we can create a space for that. So I know that's a little bit ambiguous, but you know, the, the further you zoom out on the time scale, the more ambiguous you have to be or more abstract you have to be. But that's the way I think about it is creating a space where people feel comfortable sharing, where it's fun to share, where you get feedback from the people you want to get feedback from, right? like those are some of the mechanics that have to exist for this to work.
0: That's a wonderful pitch. It's so attractive, almost makes me want to quit the startup process and like go work in a big company so that I can get inspired by another 20 designers Mm. out
1: there. (laughs) Yeah, startups are fun. Keep doing startups.
0: All right. All right. So the reason why we got together today is to help our listeners get value from sharing, not the completed work, but the work in progress. And we just recently had an amazing episode from Paul Boeg about the design process. And we talked about stakeholders and presentation and that definitely does not include work in progress, but more like gradual enhancement and uh, progression and uh, getting things approved. In your case, sharing work in progress, who is the ideal audience for this and what is the top value?
1: Well, so right now the, the target audience is design teams, but what we're starting to see is design teams naturally pulling in stakeholder partners, engineers, PMs, leaders. We've discovered interesting use cases where design teams actually want to pull in sales or marketing. People who traditionally don't have any access to the design process, but at the end of the line are the people selling the thing that's getting built. And so to pull in sales or marketing, or even in some cases legal and give them exposure to the iterations has actually helped teams save time. You know, The worst thing you can imagine is designing something that's perfect and you're ready to ship it. You share it with, I don't know, some company, all hands are like, hey, we're about to ship this everybody. And then somebody pops up over in legal and they're like, oh, you can't do that. And the idea is the earlier you can get eyes on work in progress, I think, the more likely it is that you're going to catch some of those obvious things earlier on and have a smoother development and, and release process. So anyways, that's that's target audience.
0: I know this is not just your personal opinion or top-level thought lo- leadership, but also it's rooted in your like hundreds of conversations you've had with designers and stories you've heard. Can you recall one of those stories that impressed you uh, where? work in progress made a difference?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, the context here is while I've been building Campsite, I have done hundreds of, of customer calls and interviews with teams and I've onboarded teams and onboarded managers and design leaders. And everyone gets to explain to me how their team functions. And what has blown my mind is that no two teams share the same process. Everybody has their own subtle way of of working or sharing or using Slack or using Figma. Some people are very private. Some people are very public. Some people love to spam all the work in progress. Some people don't share anything until the monthly all-hands. So I've, I've seen the whole range of it. But what I see is that the teams who gravitate towards sharing, a couple of cool things happen. One cool thing is they actually spot duplicative efforts really early on. I've talked to a lot of teams either before CampSite or after they started using CampSite where they realized that teams were working on the same idea or two people were working on the same idea. They're like, "Damn, they should join forces, share share what they know. Maybe there's some pre-existing work that can be leveraged by both of those people to build faster or something better." So I see that a lot. And then the second thing that I see is it's more subtle, it feels a little bit more abstract. But people get inspired by seeing what other people are working on and end up creating something better than they would have been able to do on their own. I can maybe give an a example from my time at Facebook. I worked on payments at Facebook. And what that meant was building systems where you could exchange money across a variety of surfaces on Facebook. So you could donate to a cause. You could buy stuff from a page. You could send money to a friend on Messenger. You could advertise on the feed. You could buy an in-app purchase in a game, right? And what was really cool for me working on payments was because I had exposure through this internal tool to what people were working on, you would just naturally discover, oh, someone's spinning up some new use case for payments, and they're doing it from scratch. They don't know that we have rails for collecting payment information, for sending receipts, for having organized billing history. Like we have systems for this and people just don't know it exists. So anyways, the teams who share that problem, that type of problem disappears. There's this ambient knowledge of what people are working on, what systems exist, what products are in flight. The way I kind of think about it is, I don't know, if you scroll Twitter, You don't necessarily have to read and memorize every single tweet. But what is interesting, what happens over time is you build this ambient awareness of who talks about what, who's interested in what, who's making changes in their career. Like You just sort of passively absorb this stuff. And I see this happening within teams as well. The teams who share have a very good ambient awareness of what products are being worked on, what's coming out next, what are our what are our priorities within the company? And teams who don't share work in progress, that's a big question mark, right? Because the only time they get that clarity is maybe at a monthly all hands or they have to absorb it through some sort of status update email like really unengaging, not visual, not inspiring. So anyways, those are a few of the things that that I've observed on on teams I've interviewed and then just in my own experience sort of the magic of what happens when people share openly.
0: In the country that I come from, there is a saying, literally a proverb, that says, don't show a work that is half-ready to a fool, which gives us uh, some guidelines for who shall be receiving uh, work-in-progress information and, and maybe how. But what is your general advice for organizing this process?
1: Yeah, that's an interesting proverb. I mean, okay, I think if we zoom out and and ask, like, why are people not sharing work? What's the real reason? Like, I think, I don't know, in the design field, like design critique and feedback, like this is part of the job. So, what is causing people to retreat into their silos to only share with their private Slack channel? And the answer is pretty universal. Of the hundreds of designers I've talked to, it's almost always designers are scared of getting feedback from the wrong person at the wrong level of fidelity, right? The wrong person usually just means someone without enough context, right? Like it can be a bad feeling to get feedback from somebody who has no idea the background of the problem that you're trying to solve. And they're just giving you Noise. And at the wrong fidelity means somebody coming along and giving you visual polish feedback when you're in product discovery mode or giving you product feedback when you're in visual polish. Hey, this thing's about to go out the door tomorrow mode, right? And because people have been burned by one of those two things so often, either getting feedback from the wrong person. Or at the wrong fidelity, what that means is they share. They, they retreat into silos where they share with a safe set of people who have enough context. That usually means your EPD group. This makes sense. This is really natural, right? Of course, you're going to be sharing a lot with the engineer and the PM that you work with. That makes sense. But the consequence of that, the side effect of that, is. Again, we create these information silos, these knowledge silos, the sharing silo within whatever might be a Slack channel or a forum area or a Google group, whatever your working style is, that's how these silos get created. So how do you solve that? I think you just address those two problems head on. How do you help people first get feedback from people that have the right context and frame their work in progress or frame what they're sharing with what kind of feedback they're looking for. And then I guess maybe like the third part would be give people controls to sort of mute the bad feedback or feedback that doesn't sort of meet one of those first two conditions, right? Person with enough context at the right level of fidelity. So those are the things that I'm thinking about right now and we're exploring tools for. How can you help designers feel confident and safe sharing work, knowing that they're going to get great feedback because they have those controls over who and at what fidelity?
0: When we're presenting design work, uh, among all people you should know, that design presentation takes like one third of the time or so. So when you're presenting work in progress, it's never in the in the fancy way, Um so you're a little bit deprived of that gloss and polish of Behance and dribble. Any tips for overcoming that kind of anxiety?
1: Yeah, yeah. I think people feel a lot more confident sharing something that is highly polished and done, right? And this is the, we're, this is the loop that people get stuck in. They don't share work in progress until something feels polished. And by the time something feels polished, it's really hard to go back and rethink its fundamentals, or it's just painful to start from scratch, right? So what that usually means is someone goes off, lone wolf, off in their corner for a few days or a week. They design something pixel perfect. They emerge, they share it, and someone goes, hmm, is that the right thing to be building? And then boom, thrash, right? Right everyone's frustrated, everyone feels like they've wasted time. So it is this feeling of or this tension of wanting to be confident in the thing that you're sharing, leading to not sharing early enough, which makes it harder to actually change what you've made. So yeah, I'm a, I'm a pretty big believer in share early and often to catch those things along the way. I also think, you know, like fundamentally sharing early and often is what brings people along for the ride. Like explaining your thought process, explaining the things that you've tried actually saves you time at the end of this process, right? Like usually what happens is if you wait until a design is pixel perfect and polished, you show it to your PM or engineer, they might ask you, why does this work this way? Have you tried this? Have you thought about this? What happens if a user does this? That's a lot of stuff to be talking about and going over. But if you would brought people along for the ride, they would have that train of thought. Like, here's why I'm designing this component in this way and then this part in this way. Oh, and here's what it should look like if a user does this. Like, having that breadcrumb gives people this, you know, going back to the Twitter comparison, this ambient awareness of why the design is the way it is. What considerations have been made to get to this point in time?
0: I don't want to put you in the defensive mode, but I'm going to ask another question that sort of, like, questions this concept. And uh, the traditional design process, uh, walking... Through you know working first of the wireframes, then on like interactive wireframes, then on separately designing the styling. So all these phases of a design project they're designed to meet the same exact goal, so that the final design doesn't come off as surprise and everything is clear. The reasoning is clear. And uh, why interrupt those phases uh, in the middle to show like design and process in the middle of a phase when when a process is actually phased already.
1: Hmm. Yeah, this goes back to uh, you know, I've I've interviewed hundreds of teams and everybody has a different process. I think the the process that you've just outlined is like a I don't know, Erico, it's like traditional design process. Like you start fuzzy and lo-fi and you end up polished and hi-fi and along the way you've like solved the the problem. Waterfall. <laughs> I just don't think that it works that way in practice for a lot of teams or people and that process I've seen change for people at different levels of seniority or for people who work in different environments like the agency environment is very different from the the early stage startup environment is very different from the working on a team with hundreds of designers at a public company environment like those processes are very fuzzy and malleable and change not only from person to person, but from team to team, and then certainly within and across companies, right? So I I actually don't think we're disagreeing here. I think we're pretty aligned. Like there, people have process. I think my argument is bringing people along for the ride through that process is a better way to create ambient awareness and share context of why a design got from A to B and why whatever you... Finish with is the best solution for the problem. Like people have watched it evolve in front of them. Now, again, not everybody has to come along for that ride. I think my core argument is that today, in a remote first world, the people who come along for the ride are like the two or three people most close in proximity to the designer, usually an engineer and a PM, right? And expanding that circle is a better way to know that you're working on duplicate efforts. It's a way to inspire people across the other side of the company. It's a way to bring people along for the ride who wouldn't have access to that process, You know, like someone on sales or marketing or leadership, people who only ever see the monthly status report email or the people who only see stuff once it's gone live and it's too late for their feedback.
0: I actually think we are talking about the same thing indeed. It's just that, for example, with poll, we have uncovered the sort of a consulting pro- uh, process where the client party is kind of in the, in the in a different boat. But within Teams, the dynamics can be entirely different indeed. So, yeah, uh, looking at how we yeah. work, it's, it doesn't include a waterfall prototyping for sure.
1: <laughs> well, maybe that's interesting, like... Uh- bit of context here is I think campsite and what I'm working on is really focused on in-house teams I think the the agency client relationship that actually might be a very different thing and it's not an area that we're focused on right now we've talked to agencies there's some people who are interested in campsite as a way to bring clients along for the ride but I do think that that is a, a different type of relationship than design teams within the same company where the client is either each other or a shared end customer versus the customer being a client.
0: What are your favorite tips on sharing actual design work and presenting it within you know, the digital environment? So do you prefer to share whole screens or parts of screens or some walkthrough videos? So just let's talk formats and nitty-gritty details.
1: Oh yeah, I, I'm gonna have to bust out the tried and true. It depends. All right. <laughs> yeah, it depends on the on the thing and what kind of feedback you're looking for and what your objective is in sharing that thing. Right. If I, I found that if you're trying to explain why a product is valuable or useful or or how a flow, why a flow m- might make the most sense, probably the format that you're looking for is a prototype. Or a video walkthrough, you know, this I think is why tools like Loom have become so popular. It's such such a good medium to explain your thought process while looking at something at the same time, right? Also
0: being a torture to spend 20 minutes watching, right?
1: Oh, I'm going to get to storytelling (laughs) skills here in a minute. Yeah. (laughs) So yeah, in that world, maybe that format makes sense, a video or a prototype. And then if you're looking for pixel perfect feedback, I don't know. Here's a link to a Figma file like go nudge things around. Sure. So I think there's there's various Oh no. That times. is like
0: top level of trust.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Here's my Figma file. Yeah. Yeah. So it 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 depends. And I know that's not a very satisfying answer, but maybe we can try and drill into like uh, hopefully bring some more clarity to that. I'm not sure how to help.
0: At least your sentiment is helpful, so that, that works. <laughs> it
1: depends, yeah.
0: We have so many tools. Figma is collaborative by nature. We have Figma, Figma Commons. We have uh, Campsite. We have Notion. We have Slack. Mm-hmm. We have Google mm-hmm. Docs. How do you steer the team in the right direction and ensure people on Campsite are lucky enough to have a dedicated environment? But just a general, like a typical company that doesn't have a dedicated tool, how to juggle it around. Yeah, oh, I forgot is... any bark I forgot a bug tracker and uh, issue trackers.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. People use a, a lot of tools, and I think tool fatigue is very real, especially nowadays. I don't know. I saw. Maybe it was some made-up stat. It was a tweet about like the average SaaS company or startup uses like 30 or 50 tools. I think we were on
0: 30, uh, if it, you think about it. it. It was
1: some insane number, yeah. And information's getting spread out across all of them. Here's the way I've thought about it for, for design specifically, is engineers have a great place to share feedback and, and do asynchronous review, and that's the pull request. I think PMs have the same, an incredible suite of tools built for them, tools like a Jira or a Linear or Notion or Google Docs. Like These are tools that are, are word-first. They, they centralize around process and status. And I don't think designers have that tool yet, And the reason that I don't think Figma checks that box is because Figma fundamentally treats design as ephemeral, right? Like you can link to a thing on Figma that has been moved or no longer exists or the time at which you shared it, you have now made changes. And the person you sent that link to is seeing something different than what you intended, right? Like, it is fluid. It is constantly moving. It is hard to create any sense of archive or, or milestone check-ins or, yeah, the, these checkpoints in a design. And so what do people do? Well, they create pages or they spend a lot of time organizing the frames on the canvas. Here's, here's V1, here's V2, here's V3. Like We are putting so much time into organizing it just so that someone who clicks on a link is confident that they're seeing the latest.
0: But with, you know, I could imagine that being done a few years ago in Sketch. In Figma, you've got like symbols and interactive objects which are swapping around all the time. And that is magical, but also makes it even the next layer, like level of fluid, doesn't it? So like even versioning within one file, it's not really possible well.
1: Yeah, yeah, there's technically versions, but it's not super accessible. Yeah, I mean, like the Sketch days, it was... Literally, what's the version of the file that's stored in Dropbox, right? This was before, and now they have have like cloud syncing and stuff. But when I was using Sketch, we would literally be swapping Sketch files over Dropbox. And that was a way to do it.
0: I just had one of uh, Zeppelin founders here. They ventured into the adoption of design systems as one of their new projects. Because, yeah, the design process has been changing indeed.
1: (laughs) Yeah again this is why i think like design tooling while figma is great it's still not a solved problem the way here this is the way i think about it figma solved design transparency like you can see everything you can go find all the files but i think what they didn't solve is design visibility in the sense that it's hard to know what you should be looking at yes you can go spend a half hour on your friday going through everybody's Figma files, trying to figure out what's the latest? What should I be looking at? What's important and what's not? Or since nobody has time for that, what you do is you like bug people and say, hey, send me a screenshot of what you've worked on. Like what's the check-in, right? It's why we have weekly status updates. It's why we have monthly all-hand decks. Like these are tools designed to guide people towards these milestones of what's the latest. And so while Figma has made design accessible and transparent, I don't think it's actually made it easy for people to know what to pay attention to or feel confident that they're seeing the right things. So that's where Campsite comes in, right? Like, I think it's okay for these tools to be in sync with one another in some way, to to synergize in some way, but ultimately Campsite is really about bringing visibility to the design process that you see relevant things at the right time from the right people you can browse project by project every person on your team has a profile and you can see what they've worked on over time rolled up into a feed delivered as a daily digest email that helps you keep up and have a real sense of visibility into design iteration without having to spend an hour traversing through frames trying to figure out if you're looking at the right thing or not.
0: I didn't expect you to say that Figma is the solution to this problem at all. I was expecting something like enter screenshots in Slack uh, (laughs) being a solution to this problem.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's where most people land, right? Like most people land sharing screenshots in Slack. And here's what I tell people when when people are onboarding, they will ask me like Why would I share to Campsite instead of a Slack thread?" And the answer is, that's probably fine. Basically, the heuristic should be do you ever want to find that screenshot again? And if the answer is yes, then Slack's not the right tool, right? You're going to lose it. You're not going to be able to trace that screenshot to the iteration of that screenshot. You won't be able to trace that lineage. It's also really hard to track what one person has worked on over time because it's such a uh, channel-oriented tool. And so I, I tell people, look, if you do, if you think these screenshots are ephemeral and it's really about this fluid river of of feedback, but you don't ever care about waiting upstream to see what's been tried before or how the dots connect, keep using Slack. If you care about the archive, if you care about understanding the evolution, if you want ways to browse work from a slightly different angle, right? Like what has happened in this project? What has this person done? what happened in this, with this tag, this tag that might cut across multiple projects. That's where a tool like campsite can bring order to the chaos.
0: It just can't be all roses and unicorns. So tell us uh, what, what the problems are and some horror stories and things to avoid when sharing work in progress.
1: Well, I mean, the horror story is the sort of the sad reality that people are so anxious to share work these days. I remember working at at Facebook and being surrounded by designers and we talked about work all the time. We would go and look over each other's shoulders and look up like eat lunch around someone's computer and critique their work and talk about pixels and share ideas and like I don't know. Maybe there's people listening who still have that in an office culture, but I think that has started to, to fade, at least for me and I think for a lot of people on, on remote first teams. So I think that's the horror story is that we're losing this. And what goes along with that is we're losing, I don't know, the ability to have a thick skin to critique. Like the fact that someone would be so anxious to get feedback at the wrong fidelity and have that disrupt their day, says maybe they don't know how to respond to feedback or they're not good at setting the right context or being explicit in what they want feedback about and what they don't want feedback about. Like I think there's real skills to be developed there in getting the feedback that you're actually looking for. So anyways, uh, what are other horror stories or things that are going wrong?
0: People being busy and not being able to follow through on all, all the updates. <laughs> I imagine busy, that. Yeah. like You post something and nobody responds. That's a horror story.
1: Yeah, that feels really bad, right? Or worse, people saw it and they didn't react or they didn't comment or there was no... Like, no emoji shit. underneath
0: <laughs> your Slack update. Uh it hurts.
1: Yeah, yeah, that hurts. It hurts. I think it's worth internalizing why that hurts. Like. Is it is it because the design? Was it, it because we were sharing to to feed your ego? Maybe that's okay. I think that's a pretty reasonable assumption. Um, was it framed incorrectly? Was it not shared with the right level of fidelity? I, I don't know. There's probably a lot of reasons that that could happen. But yes, I agree that 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 can feel bad. I think what happens today too that is frustrating. You know, to your point about people being busy and we have tool switching and context switching is designers are forced to share their work across lots of tools and with lots of different people. So for me at GitHub, it would usually be sharing work in maybe one or two Slack channels, maybe on a GitHub pull request or an issue or a discussion. For other people, it might be shared to a Slack channel and a linear ticket and you DM it to your manager, right? Like you're taking a piece of work and you have to broadcast it to all the people who might want to see it and try to meet them where they are, right? Then you get feedback, you make some iterations, you make some changes, and you're like, shit, <laughs> now I got to remember, who did I show this to? Where did I show people? Like, I want to make sure that everybody is coming along for the ride equally, right? And So what happens? You just take time out of your day to go and follow up on all those threads. So I think tools can help with that, right? So one of the ways we've approached that at Campsite is if you share something and people come along, well, you share something, you send a link. You send a link to a Campsite post, right? So like, let's not share the screenshot, send the link to the screenshot. People come along, they can react to it, they can leave a comment with some feedback. You address the feedback, you make V2 of the thing, and you share V2 on campsite, we just automatically notify anybody who left a comment on V1. Very simple. Hey, there's a new version of something you left feedback on. That's a super relevant notification, right? I'm happy to receive that. And you end up building this really nice pipeline of the correct people are coming along for the ride, right? they left feedback, they see V2. If they leave feedback again, they see V3 and onwards.
0: You have six engineers on the team. I sincerely hope you have already implemented the unsubscribe from threads. Have you? (laughs) Yes, we
1: do. You can unsubscribe at any (laughs) time.
0: Great. Just kidding. Sorry. Some product trolling for, for fellow founder. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom today. Where can people find you online where they can find your product online?
1: Yeah, thank you. I hope this was interesting. Thanks for the the prodding questions. I think it's an interesting area and an interesting time to be a, a designer, especially someone who who's learning to design in a Slack first remote world. I think it's very challenging. So uh where can you find me? I'm I'm on Twitter mostly, although who knows for how long. But I'm I'm Brian underscore Lovin on Twitter. And then campsite is campsite.design. And if you know, sharing is a problem on on your team. For anyone who's listening, we uh, have a thirty day trial, so come sign up, check it out, give it a try, send me feedback, and I guess you can follow Try Campsite on Twitter. We're tweeting a couple times a week as we ship new features.
0: Thank you so much once again, and have a wonderful rest of your week, Brent.
1: Thanks, Jane.